So welcome to Bonded Voices. This episode is entitled, Why Does Everything Have to Be So Political? I'm Ian. This is Lauren. And I'm Greg. So the reason for floating up this subject matter is because you hear so many people say, you'll be having a conversation just like you know you hear in a lot of our Bonded Voices podcasts, and all of a sudden someone will say, oh, why did you have to make that political? And it's an interesting thought because, you know, I started in the music industry and the entire music industry is now political. It's ruined music for a lot of people. Artists where they found out their politics, whether it's on the left or the right, and that's really the binary divide, has changed people's views of musicians. Well, I, I think that's kind of funny, though, because, you know, back in the day, think about this. Uh, Sex Pistols, Anarchy in the UK, all the punk scene was anti-government, right? And now all these anti... Rage Against the Machine's another good one, right? Everyone wanted to be this... They fought the system. They were not political. And now every single one of them is political. So I I would say this. Sex Pistols were anti-all government. Rage Against the Machine were just anti-the government that they didn't like. True. You know... And, so, and I think so. I think that was a, 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 that's the difference in there. But, you know, I think to things like the Dixie Chicks, what a way to ruin your career. Sure. Right. You go <laughs> political and you go, you put the stake in the ground and especially being, you know, deaf to the audience. Sure. Well, and, and you wonder what did they believe they had to gain? Right. Because they're a business. Right. And they were a highly functioning, highly productive, well-performing, well-earning business. Why do businesses even think that they have a right to tell us what, what we want? They have a product. We want the product, not their opinion. Right. And maybe, and maybe there's a deeper genesis to this that we don't need to go down that road off, right? Because at the end of the day, you, having to chat with friends, dinner, whatever, and all of a sudden they, they, politics gets into, in, in, interjected into it. Um, it made me actually think, you know, like, and I looked it up about, you know, what does the adjective political mean? It's um, relating to the government or the public affairs of a country. And when you think of the public affairs, maybe that's why everything actually, probably even I'd even argue maybe should be political because especially if it affects the public affairs of the community, the, the, the city, the state, the country. And, and I think of a few examples. Um, you know, when you look at um, issues relating to maybe alcohol and prohibition, all of a sudden that, that became, it went from, it became political, whether you drink or not, because now the government had stepped in and, and had their finger on it. Smoking became political and there was almost a like a, 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 the government says you can't do it now all of a sudden if you are smoking you're defying the government or hurting yourself at the same time as mm-hmm. you've they've made things political and i even think of things like look at the u.s women's soccer team you can't even watch soccer now well men's soccer hasn't gone there but women's soccer has gone there where it's fully put political mm-hmm it was, well, is that just trying to gain relevancy, though? 
But then again, why did baseball? You know, why did the NFL, why did the NBA all of a sudden have to go? Like the NBA couldn't have said, well, we were going political because we wanted to have a, you know, better mix of ethnicities on the court. It was absolutely dominated. So the next step for them was to go hardcore political. And I think it turned a lot of people off. At some point, though, someone decided it's worth the risk. Yes, someone decided that. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the what's the potential upside? Because we understand that I, I think we could all agree the bell curve applies to politics. And throughout the country, we could probably agree with 80 percent. Even if you and I don't have the same political views, we probably would agree on 80 percent of the things we would talk about. So if you decide, if you're a music producer, whoever decided, if we bring it back to the Dixie Chicks, and you decide, you know what, we're going to make this political because I think we can gain X percent more business. See, I don't think it was that. I think that they they did it because they thought they had a platform and their voice would be important. Right. That's exactly what it is. It's not about gaining market share. It's about um, moving their opinion further right. and affect in but, politics which affects the masses so do you think let's go a step deeper do you think that the performing artists within that band decided that or do you think that they were led down that path so it may be one voice started it the lead singer and then all of a sudden it went that direction because you look at mumford and sons um they started to get political and one guy in the band decided uh-uh, I'm not going down that path and he actually left because he, he didn't want to be political mm -hmm. and then but again back to the subject matter right is why is Epstein so political he had then to have to go political to stand on the side that he was actually on because and this is what I to argue with people when someone says why do you have to be, make everything political life is politics and politics is life because ev everything that people like the Dixie Chicks or, or others are proposing from the stage has an effect on the everyday person's life eventually. Whether it's like, we need to get rid of smoking. Now all of a sudden tobacco farms go out of business and uh, and you, cigarette shops aren't selling cigarettes well and whatever people think of cigarettes like right? from a libertarian point of view that should be someone's choice or whether it's abortion right and they all of a sudden get political on abortion or oh you sh you shouldn't have church in the public it should not at work and it shouldn't be anywhere but on a sunday all of a sudden it affects the life of everybody and we see it today even with the transgender movement as well where all of a sudden Man, you crossed a lot of you know, lines yeah, of attraction there. But they're the, they're, the, they're the high level ones that you can think of. But I, sure. I, I think it even goes even further than that because it, it seeps into everything. Like, remember the Peter days? As in, you couldn't, like, you know, Auntie Joan walks in with a fur coat on and it's sure. boom, the whole place explodes, right? Um, sure. Meat is murder. Right, and all of a sudden they want to throw paint on them or something. It's like, people for centuries have been wearing animal furs. <laughs> sure, absolutely. But all of a sudden, it became political. And I, I think I broached this subject because I think people have to be wary 
that if you don't if you don't want to accept things as political, eventually it's going to affect you. Well, how much of this is a first world problem, though, too? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So do you think that they really have the in Kenya? Do you think they have uh, heartache over PETA saying that you shouldn't eat meat? I'm glad you actually brought that up. A friend of ours um, does mission trips to Uganda. Um, Uganda's now in a, in, a, in a situation where, from what I understand, there's, there's the Chinese influence in there, there's rebel influence in there, and there's a very authoritarian, um, I think it's Muslim um, population who are anyone who's gay or transgender is being executed. And so politics becomes life. And I think even if you look in countries where... Look, at you, you brought up Venezuela the other day on a conversation. I think the people of Venezuela weren't paying attention. And before it got too late, they went from a great thriving country to now an impoverished... If they didn't have oil... Right. Well, I think everyone wants to do the right thing, and they think everyone's got a different version of what the right thing is. Everyone's opinion is different. Sure. But they want everyone is in agreement that we want to make the world a better place. They there's one side thinks, oh, we've got to get rid of cars and all, and right. everything's electric, and the other's like, well, let's do something else, like let's go to nuclear energy instead of solar panels, whatever. Right. But there's so many different sides to it, and then only. You know, the media gets involved and they, you know, push one narrative because, hey, they, they have their, you know, horse in the, the race and that's what they want to win. Sure. Well, I, where my mind went when you asked the question of, is it a first world problem, is if, we're, if you're in a situation where your basic needs are met and you have concerns but their concerns on, am I driving the right car for social status? Am I living in the right neighborhood for social status? What have you? Those are those become not necessarily uh, requirements to live. It's based on your personal preferences. And so where my mind went when you brought that up, Lauren, was, is it a factor of we, as consumers, spend too much time on things that may or may not be as relevant, whereas people in a third world country are fighting just to survive, where they're working exorbitant hours for very low wages, where they're living in a structure that they're hoping doesn't rain because the roof is insufficient, and they're hoping that their child is going to recover from this disease that they don't have modern medicine to help solve that problem. So are they as worried or as active politically? I would imagine that their conversations probably are not as politically motivated as some of our conversations but, but are. I, but I, the reason I look that it up and, and really focusing on the idea for the public affairs, right? So that's outside of government. But I, so you imagine a small village in... Kenya, whatever, their worries food. You can understand them not worrying about even the public affairs of too great because they're just worried about eating. Mm -hmm. But once that's somewhat stabilized, 
then the conversations around the dinner table or uh, become a little bit more around what's happening in the community. And the community is just a microcosm of a country, sure. which is a microcosm of a state, province, you know, city, community. And then it becomes important. And I think if people don't pay attention to that, and you don't have to make it um, divisive, but it, I think it needs to be discussed, and especially amongst the elders and other people within that community, needs to be like, where's this going? Well, I think it, it's always going to be div div uh, divisive now just because we have just like our last podcast talk about disconnecting. Everyone has this instant feedback. I make some comment and now I have 50,000 followers that say the same thing as I do. So my, my point's more valid than your point. Right. So you have 5,000 <laughs> listeners and I have 10,000. So now I'm, I'm smarter than you because I take better pictures, you know, on the beach, whatever it is. Right. So there's all these false well, experts and to some extent that's the, the louder voice when you right. watch you'll see some news stories on some uh what was supposed to be a peaceful gathering ends up with people yelling and screaming at each other and hopefully it doesn't turn violent but it tends to be who screams louder believes they're the victor in that situation and so for me i think that we've as society really need to focus on, we may not agree on that 20%. If my 80% rule is true, and maybe if I say it louder, then that means it's true. But obviously that was a joke, but <clears throat> the idea of if we can talk about these things, we might find more common ground. And for me, it's the concern is how, how violent are we getting because of politics and the conversations therefore right well and think about even things like cars became political when they started going into dealerships and setting fire to suvs and then it may have even been before that but it became front and center at that point that for some reason all of a sudden because i drive a big car i'm the enemy and now we're getting to a stage where, you know, how long before, if you drive a gas car, are you the enemy? So it's become political. Sure. But so how much of this is fed off of being connected again, right? So if you were disconnected, you had these and had real conversations, people wouldn't be so angry about it. You wouldn't be hearing and inundated because AI is involved saying, oh, you interacted with this this highly political subject so it's starting to feed you non-stop and amping that we're feeding the fire yeah but at so the same time you... that knowledge gives you the at least a spectrum of information of, of why something's becoming political because i'd argue that in the third world some of their biggest problems is, is the lack of information and politics happens to them and, and before they know it they can't stop it i, I would agree absolutely because they're quote unquote kept in the dark. Yes. But yeah. back to Lauren's point, it's very fascinating. The idea of AI pushing what you see in your quote unquote feed. And what does that do is it validates that person who again right. thinks that because they have 10,000 likes versus Ian's 5,000 likes that your message is stronger and you're going down the right path. You're seeing more and more. So you're feeling this artificial sense of validation. Correct. 
when if you just put the phone down and maybe talk to the neighbor, talk to the person in line at the grocery store, yeah, and you have a lovely conversation about cantaloupes being in season. Right. Because right now you're just being told nonstop, I'm correct, and you're wrong. And, right. And in the heart of it, everyone's got this narcissistic uh, desire to be right. Of course. No one wants to be wrong. Because wrong means you've got to apologize, and that becomes harder for most right. people. Especially when you don't have a good uh, conversation with people to begin with. Right. <laughs> But, you know, we and used to be able to, to have, you know, we used the to have, apologies on the back page. Yeah, we used to have to ha be able to have meaningful disagreements with people where you could agree to disagree. And there really wasn't any mm -hmm. hard feelings. It's right. just, ah, oh, they think that I think this. But maybe we've got to a point where the, the, the things that really do cause that sort of division, maybe they are actually that important. And I'd argue that some of the things I've had discussions with acquaintances or even family members with, because, again, you don't pick your family, you get given them and you may disagree. You know, even going back to COVID and those situations, they were important political decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, public affairs decisions. Some people would argue you have to get vaccinated, have to wear three masks. And then other people are like, hell, I'm not getting vaccinated and no way am I wearing a mask. And But they became big dividing lines. Absolutely. People were ostracized over it. Right. But but, but so even health became political. <laughs> right. Uh, but there's no middle ground anymore. It's either it's black and white. But I would, but I would argue. But, but I would argue that that why is everything so political is maybe because it needs to be. Because it has to have people starting to think, mm. how does this affect my family? How does this affect my community? How will this affect my job? But like, let's a, think. But it's an interesting path, yeah. I, I'd I'll even go down you. this road, Lauren. When the, you think about when we started NAFTA, a friend of mine grew up in um, North Carolina and said, at that point, North Carolina was a great state. The moment they signed NAFTA, the whole state went to hell because everything was outsourced, everything was shipped overseas, and the state became a poor state. And at the time, it was seen as, hey, we're free trading with Mexico and Canada, and everyone's going to, we're going to help the poorer people in Mexico, and the Canadians are going to share with us, and we've got stuff mm -hmm. crossing the borders. And the next thing you know, you've got poverty. So it was something that, maybe wasn't even looked on as being, even though it was a government thing, but as being political in that sense, with air quotes, all of a sudden had a massive effect on people. Well, and you've, you mentioned earlier Venezuela, and perhaps the citizens knew, or what we think maybe, they didn't know where things were going to go in the country and the decisions. And so... The beginning of our conversation on why is everything so political, I took the viewpoint of, you know what, we need to figure out how we find common ground and then we can work together to solve problems. But this point that you just brought up of maybe we need to pay more attention. Yeah. Maybe maybe this is more important than we had thought before. It's food for thought for me. I, I don't think you get people like the Dixie Chicks making comments on the stage without 
a certain amount of grounding and purpose behind them. I think I don't think they went on the stage that night and went, "Oh, we're just going to throw something out there." I think it's purposeful, and I think there's a lot of it that actually is, because a lot of the people, especially within music, who are very vocal and political, they're not stupid people, but they're very committed to their. Um, Tell me, do you use their ideals? Mm -hmm. They're committed. So then, what's the what's the what do we gain from this conversation? Pay attention. Take your, you know, poke your head up out of the gut. I, for a I think don't be scared to discuss it. Don't be don't be scared to understand when people you know say, oh, you know, all of a sudden, like. You know, my, my kid's dressing up as a, a dog and going to school, or there's a kid at school, go to school, go, and this is what we have, even in the school our kids go to. There's right. kids bring kitty litter in, because they identify as cats. And everyone's like, ah, oh, why do you have to make it political? Because all of a sudden, <laughs> we've got kitty litter everywhere at school, and we've got moves to accommodate people who dress up as cats. Yeah. And our kids get in trouble for not identifying them with meow or whatever it ends up being. We've lost common sense and so we have to make it political. Right. You know, I think at the end of the day, I look back over history and I even think of the evils of slavery. And I think someone at some point never even went and had that conversation. These are human beings. It just became like commerce because they needed workers and slave labor. And slave labor was pretty ubiquitous worldwide at that point in time. It still is. Right. I mean, I mean you know, look at uh, the, what is it, the cobalt mines of the Congo. Right. The, right. The blood batteries, you know. And someone would say, oh, now you've made a phone political as well or an electric car political. Maybe it should be. And that's what I'm just saying, because I think at the at end of the day, I think it's important for us to know that are our shoes being made by slave labor in China? Are our electric vehicles, our Teslas, being only available to us because people are suffering somewhere else? And I think, you know, that becomes the micro-macro picture that I, I don't think people want to address. And this, this statement of, oh, why do you have to make it so political, is a way of shutting down that deeper thought. So I think there's a, if we could go back to the social media validation, maybe the, dare we say another challenge from this podcast is try and remove your personal feelings. Does this benefit your family? Does this benefit your, what you want uh, rather than, oh, well, it's my team. It's my, you know, I always love this particular team and this is the stance they've taken. So I agree with them. I think this is an opportunity for us to take a deeper look at maybe things should be more political and maybe you need to take it a couple steps deeper. My challenge for everyone would be take whenever you get that hair on the back of your neck raised up, think to yourself, what's the micro um, effect of what of this subject and what's the macro effect? I don't like to be confrontational on those type of things. So personally, so it's right. it'd be hard for me, but I would say definitely challenge people into the conversation. 
going back to having conversations with people because maybe they just don't see it from your viewpoint and you don't see it from theirs. So the first step is a conversation. Yeah. So I know you probably listen to this podcast thinking to yourself, how ironic why does everything have to be so political and they've made the podcast political? That's the way it is. But th that's it for, for this episode. Um, and we will see you next time on Bonded Voices. That's a wrap. See you next time.